welcome back to the Misadventure Podcast. And today we are going to be talking about Chandler's recent road trip to New Orleans. It's kind of the road trip. It was like the road trip to end all road trips. I, yes, it was epic. So before we do the route, what was the purpose? Like, ah, um, so my partner in crime, Jessica Spring, and I, we do the Dead Feminist series together. We had an exhibit um, a kind of solo exhibit for the two of us down in New Orleans and they had invited us down for the show and they said, why don't you, you know, why don't you come down and you could give a talk or maybe do a workshop, that sort of thing. And so we thought, okay, and we can kind of turn it into a, a semi-vacation. So Jessica's not into the long road trip thing. So she flew down and I drove down with all of our stuff for our events and stuff. And then I um, I kind of had to get down there quickly because I couldn't leave Tacoma until a certain day and I had to be in New Orleans by that Friday. So I really had to kind of haul ass down there. But <laughs> then I took my time and zigzagged my way home after that. So so you had a different route coming and going? Totally different. I try to do that most of the time. I try mm. to not go back the way that I came on, on almost almost every road trip I ever take. I try to do it that way. Huh. So I, this one was really different. And that's part of how you get like so many states on a trip is if you can think of it in terms of a loop rather than going there and back. And I, I really like thinking in those terms. Yeah. I think a good place to start would be for you to kind of trace your route verbally. Okay. <laughs> in audio form. Okay. We actually um, have a map. We have like this yeah. map looks like those pull down maps that everybody had in elementary school. It even had, you know, like Minnesota's pink and you know, like the colors are pink, yellow, orange, green. It's so the elementary school map. I'm having nostalgic flashbacks <laughs> right now. We can post it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious. Um, I could draw on the map. That's could, what that's. Okay. Yes, that was the purpose of the map. Oh, you're so smart, Mary. Thank you. That's why I was you're just the trying boss. to do a visual aid of some kind. So okay, I was gone. I, I almost a month. Uh, it's not. It wasn't a, rec- a quite a record for me in terms of time. It was 24 days, but it was definitely a record in terms of mileage and number of states visited in one go. So I was in um, 18 states. Although some of those were like, you know, you're in like a corner of a like state. Like a panhandle? Yeah, yeah. It still counts. Although the Texas panhandle is like oh. the size of a whole state. So yep. although I was in more than, I was in a lot of Texas. I saw a <laughs> lot of Texas on this trip. Had to drive across it twice. But um, yeah, so I, and I, the, I cleared 10,300 miles wow. on this trip, which was so much. Like that was by far a record. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that is so far. Yeah. It was sort of the first time when I was like, I'm ready to be home now. Interesting. I guess maybe that's what it takes. So it only takes 10,000 miles. Pretty much. (laughs) All right. Well, now we know. Wow. Yeah. So started in Tacoma and then I had to be on mostly interstate for the first, like to get down there because um, it was just the fastest way Mm -hmm. down there. So I kind of went down um, diagonally across the Cascades, down through Yakima into Oregon, and I picked up I-84, which actually, this is my least favorite stretch of highway, like interstate highway in the whole country. Um, you go through the Blue Mountains in northeastern Oregon, which the Blue Mountains are beautiful, but the road is really curvy and treacherous. Oh, yeah. And winter goes really late there, so I actually hit some snow 
there. I've had really dicey driving conditions in the past. It didn't really on this trip, so that was good, but it's really an exhausting, not fun road, and there's always a lot of accidents on that road, so um, I'm always kind of dreading it when I have to go that Mm. way, but there was no way around it this time. It really was the most direct way to go. Um, Went down through Boise, or Boise, as the locals call it, or Boise, as I like to call it, to be (laughs) flippant. (laughs) Um, and so on that first night, I got all the way to northern Utah. Hmm. Which wow. Is all, yeah, that's like, um, that's like 900 miles, almost 1,000 miles. Oh, my gosh. It's a long a way. day? Yeah, I had to do it. And I hate days like that, but yeah. I just didn't have a choice. So I had to leave wow. here at 6 in the morning, and I didn't get there till. 8 p.m., 9 p.m. Oh, jeez. I gained an hour, which is helpful. <laughs> but it was, but you had to drive it. <laughs> yeah, it was a really awful, awful oh. long drive. Not fun. <laughs> but the reason why I did that was the next morning I went to Spiral Jetty, which is on Great Salt Lake. It is a um, art installation that was done in, I believe, 1970 by Robert Smithson. It's called an earthwork. Hmm. And... That was what he did. He did these large-scale pieces that he would basically move earth to make art. Kind Mm. of like the way the ancient tribes did for, like, the burial, like, the serpent mound. Okay. That sort of thing. So it's kind of a modern-day version of that. Huh. So it's a jetty made out of rocks. It's 1,500 feet long. Oh, wow. It's huge. Yeah. I saw your picture on Instagram. You you did a really good job of posting your route. And so if anybody is interested in seeing those pictures, it's drawn the road. Yep. Um, on Instagram. On Instagram. So definitely check those out. But Spiral Jetty was on there. Yeah. As, yeah, one and of the first. this place is absolutely in the middle of nowhere. It there is nothing. Like There's nothing. There's no town. It would drive you crazy. I was thinking of you, Mary. You would hate it. Um, Get me out of here. No cell service. Oh, no. No town. Oh, that's the worst. Nothing. And <sighs> I, I actually had tried to go to Spiral Jetty before. Because, um, you know, it's something I've wanted to see forever, but I didn't get there Mm -hmm. uh, because I I tried to go with my husband, oh gosh, nine years ago now. And, um, but it was in the winter and we couldn't get over the road. The road was impassable. okay. So, um, so this was my second attempt and I stayed in Tremonton. I think that's how you say it. It's this little town in Utah. It's kind of at the very top of the, you know, the Mormon Valley where, it's like the very edge of that before kind of civilization ends. Hmm. And um, like north of Ogden, north of Salt Lake City, it's north of everything. But that's the nearest town. But it's another, I don't know, 40 miles from there. Oh, wow. So I got up before sunrise because I had a long way to go that day too. And um, drove out into the pitch dark. There's no street lamps it's well marked, thankfully, and mm-hmm. I had like studied the map really well, and I'd been there once, been near there once before, but still, like you go, you drive all the way out to um, the Golden Spike, which is where the tr- first transcontinental railroad met hmm. uh, in the eight. I think it was eighteen seventy. So maybe this was maybe this was like the centennial of the Golden Spike. I never thought of that. Huh. Um, I have to look that up. But um, so you drive out there and that's really well marked because the National Park Service owns that. But then you keep going on the road and then the road forks another couple of times and the road is not paved anymore at that point. And there's just these little tiny signs that say spiral dirty that way. Hmm. And so by the end, you can't see anything. It is pitch black. (laughs) The only thing I saw were like jackrabbits running out in front of my headlamps. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, well, I hope I'm on the right road. And then it's really freaky because you get 
out to the end of the road and the road just ends and you can't see anything. It's pitch black. And I'm thinking, well, like there's no light pollution whatsoever because you're in the desert. Uh huh. And, and I'm thinking, well, I'm either in the right spot or I'm not. And I can't, I have to wait for the sun to come up. So I just, and I tried to like do that thing where you like turn around in the car and like shine the headlights around in every direction. Oh, wow. And there was nothing for, you know, 180 degrees of that. Like it wasn't, my lights were not shining on anything. It was just black. And I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. And I'm like, I must be on a hill. And then finally I go all the way around in the circle and almost before I get back to where I started, my lights hit a little tiny podium like up on a hillside above me and there was a little tiny spiral on the podium. Uh, That's the only way I knew I was in the right spot. There was no sign, nothing. Oh my gosh. And I was really, like, and I don't get freaked out in the middle of nowhere and even I was freaked out. I was like, where am I? (laughs) So I just waited a half hour and the sun finally came up and there it was. It was right below me. And that was why I didn't see anything because I was like on a a ledge above the lakeshore. That would be so freaky. It was really freaky. Yeah. So then like the sun, like the sun barely comes up and I'm like, oh, (laughs) there it is. (laughs) And it's, it was worth doing. It was really beautiful. Wow. It was really cold. It was like 27 degrees out. Yeah. Yeah. It does get cold in the desert. Hmm. Um, But then I had like the most spectacular sunrise and it was great. Wow. So that day, so this is like day two and I had a little bit of like a fun day. I didn't, I didn't leave Utah that day. Um, So I went down, I, I went back to near the interstate. I got off the interstate and took back roads after that. But then I hung out in, like I had never actually stopped in Salt Lake City. Hmm. I've been past it, I don't know, 20 times <laughs> over the years, but I had never actually gone in and seen Temple Square or any huh. of that business. So I thought, well, today's a good day to do that. So I did, and it's beautiful. Um, you have to talk to the nice Mormons who want to talk to you about Jesus. Of course. And I had to, yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> so they, the Temple Square is beautiful. You can't go in the temple unless you're Mormon. But you can you can walk around the square. You can go inside the tabernacle, which is where the choir performs. It's an amazing. It was built in the 1860s or 70s, all made out of wood on the inside. But on the outside, it looks like a like a silver spaceship because it's got this hmm. ovoid dome. It it must have been completely futuristic when they built it because it looks futuristic even now, even huh. though it's 150 years old. Wow. And, um, but it's acoustically perfect. So you go in there and it's just, it's beautiful and it's made to look like it's made out of marble and, and oak, but it's all done with pine that's been painted with trompe l'oeil to look like marble. (laughs) It's beautiful and amazing. Um, and there's all these nice Mormon interpreters to tell you all of that because they, you know, and maybe offer you a free book of Mormon, which I didn't need because I had one at home from the last time I had an experience (laughs) sort of like that. Um, But, you know, the architecture is really amazing. But if you want to learn anything about it, you have to go in the little museum. And Mm. they actually, kind of the cool thing about that is they have a model of what the temple looks like on the inside. And it's this meticulous scale model. It's like a dollhouse that that they must have spent a bajillion dollars on because it's beautiful. And um, so I'm kind of studying this thing and trying to like figure out where the rooms are and then this nice this nice pair of girls comes up and says you know isn't it a nice building I said oh yes it's a very nice building it's really beautiful and and then they asked me if I believe in our Lord Jesus Christ and I said well I'm not religious (laughs) but thanks for asking have a nice day (laughs) 
And I knew that would happen, but yeah. Yeah. So if that's, if you don't like talking to strangers, just be aware. That They're very friendly They're though. They're very friendly. They're really nice. Yeah. Yeah. I have no beef. Yeah. I really have no beef, but yeah, if you, if you are the, t- and I actually am the type who doesn't like to talk to people in museums. So I was kind of bracing myself mm. for it and it was fine, but you know, I yeah. really wanted to look at the diorama. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. The other really interesting thing that I didn't have time to do, but I would like to do sometime is I'm inter- I've been getting into genealogy lately. Um, wow. You were in uh, I Mecca. know. <laughs> and that. in that museum, they have a whole kiosk and they have people with name tags. You can just go ask them and say, you know, I'm trying to find information on my family tree and they will sit down with you and yeah. help you look it up in their amazing, huge database. So that is really cool. Yeah. It's, it's really amazing. Um, yeah. how much information they have. Yeah, you went to the right place for that. Yeah. So um, I continued on my merry way after that. I looked for a bunch of like old, there's a lot of old neon signs around Salt Lake City. So hmm. I spent some time kind of seeking those out. I had kind of a list and I had kind of mapped out a good way to get to all of them. And so I did all of that for a couple hours. And then I hit the road. And one of my favorite back roads actually is Route 6. It's a U.S. highway, and it, it dumps you out. If you're heading west, it dumps you out in Provo, which is just south mm. of Salt Lake City by about an hour. Um, but then it, it sends you through Provo Canyon, diagonally through the mountains, and it is gorgeous. And mm. you kind of go through Red Rock Canyons and oh, wow. over the plateau. Um, and then I kind of wound my way out to Moab, mm. where I stayed. Or I stayed south of Moab that okay. night. Yeah. Actually, uh. Oh, it's actually on this map. Moab is not on this map, but the little tiny town where I stayed is. Oh, really? Yeah. What's the name of the town? Mon- Monticello. Huh. It should be Monticello, but we're in Utah. <laughs> yeah. Mon- Monticello is where they used to mine uranium. Oh. Through like the 1960s. Hmm. And so they still have very questionable like health rates. and Yeesh. Yeah. Um, but there's a nice little B and B there that I've stayed at before. <laughs> Very nice people. Right. Yeah. So, wow. Um, so the next day I went to Georgia O'Keeffe's house. Oh my goodness. This is a bucket list thing for me. So tell me all about this. Okay. So, um, first that morning I got up again, like crack of dawn, went down to near four corners. I didn't do four corners this time, even though I was within spitting distance of it, I went to Monument Valley and I had never done Monument Valley because mm. it's kind of, it's not on the way to anything. No. And there's at least 30 other things you could do instead. Mm-hmm. So I had just never gotten to it. So I did that, you know, that iconic view. Yes. I didn't have time. Like it was so early in the morning that it wasn't like I couldn't do a tour. It wasn't, nothing was open okay. yet, but I could at least see that amazing view. Yep. There were hipsters shooting music videos like out. Oh, that's so awesome. They had a little camera crew and they'd wait for like cars to go by and then they'd run out and take another <laughs> shot. And then they. <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah. So I went there first and then I kind of went back across the Four Corners area, kind of zigzagged down into New Mexico and then took a back road over the mountains to. Um, so Georgia O'Keeffe's home is northwest of Santa Fe and it's. She actually had two homes up there. One of them, the Ghost Ranch, where she had a studio for many years, is not open to the public. Um, but her home that she had later in life in Abiquiu, that is what you can see. Hmm. And it's owned by the Georgia O'Keeffe Museum in Santa Fe. You have to see it on a tour. Um, it was amazing. It was so, it just, it felt like her. It was, it was beautiful. It was like up on this cliff, kind of overlooking a flat valley and... 
And I came in the way I did because I really wanted to see the Pedernal, which is that mountain she has painted mm-hmm. over and over and over and over again. Yeah, I would think just being in that area, yeah. it would look familiar. Yeah, and you can't see the Pedernal from Abiquiu. It's like it's like a 10-minute drive northwest of town, and there's another, there's like a mountain in the way. Hmm. So, but you, but if you come in the way I did over this back road, you can see the pet, like the backside of the Pedernal for a long way. And I'm thinking, is that it? And it was, Wow! it was such an iconic mountain that uh-huh. I recognized it, even though I'd never <laughs> seen it before. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I did the tour. The tour was really amazing. You can't take any pictures inside mm. the house. So I like pulled out a pencil and I was doing little like chicken scratches of the interior. It's she, I think she was a really interesting person and, and she had such a long life and she was painting right up to the end. And mm-hmm. So she was using her peripheral vision. She was, that's right. Because yeah. she lost her main she, eyesight. I think, and I don't know if it was cataracts or glaucoma or something. Oh yeah. She had some degenerative eye thing that um, prevented her from seeing straight on. And this is, she was in her you know, 90s at this point. So yeah, she used her peripheral vision and right at the end, she she couldn't, she didn't have the strength in her arms to even lift the brush anymore. So she had an assistant who would hold her arm up and she would say, okay, we need to go get more paint. We're going to mix some gray. Now we're going to go back to the canvas and he would like hold her arm while she did that. And her last few paintings, she had him sign the back of the canvas or panel underneath her name because she said it's as much your painting as it is mine. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Such an interesting person. Yeah. Yeah. I I went to visit some family on this trip and one of them asked me like, oh, Georgia O'Keeffe, is she one of your heroes? And I'm like, hell yeah, she's one of my heroes. And he asked me why. And I said, well, let's see. She was an artist. She was incredibly prolific. She did what she wanted, mm-hmm. even oh, though yeah. she had a, she had a whole marriage, but she lived her life on her terms, exactly what she wanted to do. She didn't compromise and she lived a very long time doing that mm-hmm. and hashtag goals. <laughs> I know. I know. Fighting the whole time with society, basically. And being a, a woman in the early 20th century saying, nope, I'm going to do this my way and you can like it or lump right. it. That's amazing. There was an outcry because she was painting buildings, which was not fit it for was women. Not done. No, it was women not done. No, women painted flowers and yeah. I don't know. And a lot of people never see her, her urban her urban stuff, but I think it's oh, really strong it's work. Favorite. And it's especially if you like abstraction, it's great for that. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love that so much. I mean, I love all of her work, but yeah. her urban stuff is, I think, still probably my favorite. Yeah. There's a piece in the Minneapolis Institute of the Arts that I, I, I visit. I know exactly yes. what piece you're talking it's about. My it's the, like the skinny vertical yep. one. Tall vertical yep, buildings New in New York. And every time I, yeah, that's my number one destination. Whenever I'm there, I go see it too. Yep. Yeah. I love that oh, whole Georgia. wing in that museum. It's I know. Great. It's I know. really underrated. I, it's true. That is a fantastic museum. Mm-hmm. She has been one of my favorite. Well, she's probably my favorite artist, but she's been right up there yeah. in terms of like, I don't know, life goals, role yeah. models, all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating human. Yeah. So I pulled over, uh, before I went to the tour, I pulled over and did a little sketch, like a little watercolor painting in my sketchbook of the Pedernal. Like, oh. And I brought a book of her paintings with me so I could try to find a spot that was in one of her paintings. Wow. And I don't know if it's the exact spot, but it sure looks like it. <laughs> so I kind of pulled over and I did a little drawing and then I held up her like her painting in the book with my sketch with the thing. Did you, did you post this? I did. I had to post like two pictures because I can't, I couldn't hold my phone and 
a sketchbook and the book ah. and the wind was howling. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one thing when you travel alone, there's nobody to help you with your Instagram <laughs> photos. Right. Oh, so yeah, I did that after, after the tour, I, um, I went, I was briefly in Santa Fe. I was there for a couple hours. Um, I've been on a previous trip, but I just kind of wanted to see it again briefly. And, um, I don't know. Have you been to Santa Fe? No, I haven't. It's really beautiful. I, yes, I've seen pictures. I really want to explore that part of the country. I've been close. Eric and I went to Monument Valley, I don't know, 10 years ago. They but just had their 400th anniversary wow. recently. Wait, of, wait Santa, of Santa Fe? Fe. Okay. Yeah, it's that old. Oh my goodness. Yeah, because it was, I mean, it has been the seat of power for 400 years. Wow. Because, you know, it, it belonged, of course, there were the native tribes mm-hmm. there, but then, um, you know, Spain came and Mexico and then the United States. So it's, and it has been kind of this unbroken line of here's where the capital is. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's hard to comprehend. It was in St. Louis as they were celebrating their 250th. Yeah. And I thought that was mind-blowing. Well, this year is the tricentennial of New Orleans, and that it was really fun to be there for that. And yeah. it's still kind of like in America where nothing is all that, especially west of the Mississippi. Right. Nothing. Everything's you, it's, You're hard-pressed to find things that are that old. Right. Um, but yeah, Santa Fe is as old as New England or older in terms hmm. of, you know, Western civilization. Yeah. Um, that night I stayed in Albuquerque cause I have a good friend, um, who lives there. So whenever I'm passing through, I stay with her. She's um, a good friend of my mother's. And so I've known her my whole life. Hmm. Um, it's the only place in America where there are two route 66s and they intersect them each other. Whoa. Yeah. Did you go to that? Not on this trip, but I have okay. done. Yeah. I have sketches like of that. Something that, yeah, you'd need to do. So if you like old neon signs, go to Albuquerque. Oh my God. They have hundreds of them hmm. it's like what vegas could be if they left it alone <laughs> you know yeah they're never gonna do that they're never gonna do that <laughs> so go to albuquerque right the next day was really brutal i had to drive across texas all the way to austin oh. in one day oh my goodness it was like 13 hours uh, it was brutal wow that sounds brutal. Yeah. And so i was on interstate for a little bit of it i was on interstate as far as amarillo uh, in Texas, which is in the Panhandle. I've been to Amarillo before because it's also on Route 66. There's a great steakhouse there called the Big Texan. <laughs> Didn't stop this time, but it's over the top. If you want like theme restaurant and like wagon wheel chandeliers and oh, longhorn yes. cow heads above your table, go to the Big Texan. Okay, next time. Next yeah. time I'm there. <laughs> not for vegans. Vegans will not like it. <laughs> I get the feeling vegans won't like Texas. I think te- you know, actually, Austin probably has great vegan oh, yeah, restaurants yeah, yeah. and probably Houston too because they're both big cities. But yeah, Texan is, Texas is a meaty state, <laughs> I'm sorry to say. Um, then I went briefly, I took a little jog to the Palo Duro Canyon, which is the second longest canyon in the country. What's the first? Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon? Okay. Yeah. Um, huh. It's this, so it's, the panhandle of Texas is a very, very flat plain called the Llano Estacado, and it's a Spanish term for staked plain. And hmm. it was staked because it's so flat and featureless. There are no hills, no nothing. It was so flat that in order to measure distances and landmarks, the Spaniards had to stake it out with wooden stakes Whoa. so they didn't wow. get lost. That's how flat it is. 
Okay. And there's a big giant canyon like gashing right through oh this gosh. plane. So you won't ever see it coming. Like you're driving around and all of a sudden there's this massive canyon. That's crazy. Yeah, it's totally crazy. And people complain about Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Stopped in Lubbock to see Buddy Holly's uh, house and giant. They have a giant pair of glasses outside <laughs> the Buddy Holly Museum. That's kind of the only thing that's in Lubbock. Mm. Okay. Although I did see... And I actually drove around the block to see it again to make sure I wasn't hallucinating. <laughs> I saw somebody um, hanging out under an underpass and they were holding what I thought was a dog at first. It was a pig. They okay. were just cuddling with a pig. Like you do. Like you do in Lubbock, Texas, apparently. Okay. Yep. And then I left the interstate behind pretty much for good after that. Mm. So from Lubbock, you end up taking this... Um, these long diagonals through first the, like the edge of the plane. And then you end up coming into Texas Hill country, which is absolutely gorgeous. And I feel like Texas gets such a bad rap for people who aren't from there and people who are from Texas. Like they love Texas. Mm-hmm. The, Texas is beloved to them. It's like mm-hmm. this state of mind. But I think people who aren't from there are like, Oh, Texas, it's so big. And I hate driving across Texas, but Texas Hill Country, which is like the central part of the state, is so beautiful. It's like rolling hills and like hmm. lots of live oak trees. So I'm like, okay, I get it. I totally get it. Um, ended up in, te- in Austin really pretty late at night, so I didn't get to see much. Mm. I saw a little bit the next morning, and that was kind of it. You've been there before, though, I'm right? not. What? I know. I feel like I oh, no, got you, cheated okay. out of Austin. Yeah, you got to go back. Yeah. It's it's cool. Yeah. Um, it looks, I mean, it looks great. It's, you know. Yeah. You see the Capitol building and everything, but there's like a million freeways there and the traffic was really crazy. And, yeah. you know, by the time I got in, it was 10 o'clock at night and hmm. I was done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bet you were. Um, next morning, I went briefly through Houston and like down um, to the coast. And um, I went down to coastal Louisiana and went along the Gulf Shore for as far as I could until hmm. you, you can only drive along the beach for a short distance because there's so many like bayous and swamps and flooded areas and things that there's you can't drive through most of that. Okay. But it was beautiful. It was absolutely flat. I saw a gator, hmm. you know, these beautiful like mossy trees everywhere and houses up on stilts because holy cow, it's hurricane country. Yeah. Um, but it was beautiful. So I kind of came into New Orleans on back roads. Hmm. So yeah, I got into New Orleans. I spent five nights in New Orleans. I've been there before, but I hadn't, I was only there for like one night. I didn't get a ton of time. And this time I had like almost a week and I had my car with me so I could, Hmm. I could either walk around or I could get in the car and go further afield if I wanted to. And it was amazing. It was, it's, it might be my favorite city in the country. Really? Yeah. Your pictures were incredible. I definitely was living vicariously through your trip. So the oldest cemetery in New Orleans, um, San Luis Cemetery, um, number one. There's more than one. When they filled up the first one, they did mm. a second one. Okay. But to see the oldest one, number one, you have to go on a tour because because Marie Laveau is buried there. Okay. Um, and they'd had a lot of problems with vandalism because people come and they want... They want to put a voodoo charm on her mm. grave or whatever, and somebody painted it pink, and then so it got to be to the point where they were really damaging these historic tombs. So now you have to go in with a tour. Um, it was put on by Save Our Cemeteries, which actually helps maintain it. So it wasn't 
New Orleans has a city law where if you take if you take a certain number of classes and then I think take a test, you can be a certified tour guide, hmm. which actually would be great. Yeah. Um, but that means once you're a certified tour guide, you can start charging people and take them on tours. So most of the people you see like on those, you know, horse-drawn wagons and stuff, they're just Joe Schmo with a tour guide certification. And there were people like that in the cemetery. But if you go through the Save Our Cemeteries, you're not just paying Joe Schmo tour guide, you're actually helping maintain the cemetery. So mm-hmm. it, it actually it felt like I was doing a good deed by doing that. And the woman who led the tour is a fifth generation New Orleans resident. Uh, her great, 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 whatever grandfather fought in the Battle of New Orleans in 1814. Whoa. <laughs> so like she has family buried and she has, a fam- oh she has two family tombs in that cemetery. Wow. She knew everything. Mm. Shout out to Pam. You were awesome. <laughs> so I've been telling everybody, ask for Pam. Ask for Pam. <laughs> um, Nicholas Cage has a tomb. Oh, I've heard about this. Nicholas Cage, who was not dead. Right. Yes. He um, he must have pulled some strings <laughs> because if you want if you want a tomb now that isn't doesn't already belong to your family, you have to boot somebody out mm. and reinter them somewhere else. So okay, he obviously had somebody booted. This is before he went bankrupt. (laughs) Um, And he built this massive white pyramid in the middle of this cemetery. I just saw a picture of this. Yeah. And it says like, (sighs) it's like, I have to look it up. It's like in Omnia ad Uno. Yes. And it's off of. It's off um, of National Treasure. Yes. Which is hilarious and so stupid. It really cracks me up. It's It's so perfect. I know. It's. It makes me just kind of love him because he's so dumb. And there's like red lip prints on yeah. it because it's apparently it's a thing for ladies to kiss the tomb. So gross. But even though he's now like broke as a college student because he can't manage money to save his life and he's well. gone bankrupt like more than once. And um, because of the city codes in New Orleans, if you own a tomb in the cemetery, that's it. You can't, ha- it can't be taken away from you. Oh, Huh. So it may be the only piece of property left that he actually owns, but oh, no. he so owns sad. it. Yeah. Yeah. Omnia ab uno. That's okay. it. I, I kind of love that. I know. When he finally <laughs> kicks it, I guess they'll shove him in there. Oh. There's a well, tomb in Venice. Ahead. One of my favorite sculptors was um, Antonio Canova. Hmm. He ended up sculpting his own tomb in Venice. Um, it's in the Chiesa dei Frari. It's mm. in the um, Church of the Brothers, the Friars. Okay. And it's where um, Bellini, the painter, the Renaissance painter, is buried. Oh, okay. And they wanted to move him into a nicer tomb, so they commissioned Canova to sculpt him a tomb. So he did. And it also is a pyramid. Part of it's a pyramid. <laughs> I think it's a pyramid. And it has like a weeping cherub, like an angel, and it has a lion that's like looking all sad. <laughs> and then, but it's Italy. Stuff doesn't get done in a timely fashion there, <laughs> even then. So they never got around to moving Bellini. And then Canova died, and it's like, well, we got this tomb. <laughs> so they shoved him in there, oh and he's in his, he made his own tomb. Oh. I don't know if that's if that's perfect or just really sad. Yeah, I don't know. I don't There's, know. Yeah, that walks the line. I know. I'm not sure which way it goes. I know. So <laughs> it was weird to see Nicolas Cage's grave and he's not in there. Yeah. Yeah. 
That, but that's all I could think of was that Canova story. Did you eat any beignets? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I okay. Did. Not as many as I would have liked. <laughs> there were a few abortive beignet attempts. Mm. So the, the place that everybody knows in New Orleans is Café du Monde. It's the touristy mm-hmm. place. It's like one of the oldest, if not the oldest, coffee shops in the city. Um, it's open 24 hours. So you can, if you want beignets at three in the morning, you can go. Which seems like prime beignet time. Totally. Like fried dough at 3 a.m. Yeah. That is, yeah. that is the glory time. For, yeah. And yeah. in fact, there's, um, I have my good friends who live in San Francisco live around the corner from a place that makes killer beignets, but they're only open for breakfast. And so whenever I visit them, I'm like, it's become this joke with us now. They're like, we're sorry. There's no night beignets for you. <laughs> if you want night beignets, they have them in New Orleans. Yeah. Um, but every time I tried to go, there was always a line like out the door around the block. Mm-hmm. And the other thing they do is chicory coffee mm. during the civil war and other times of deprivation when people couldn't get coffee, they used to water it down with, they used to cut it with chicory and chicory leaves its own flavor. And I don't know if it has caffeine or not, but it's kind of distinctive. Um, but so you, the thing to do is to get the beignets with the chicory coffee, but I gotta say the beignets at Cafe de Monde are not that great. I thought mm. they were kind of, I don't know. Huh. I thought they were not very light and fluffy. I thought they were kind of overdone. And this was the previous trip that I went. So okay. I tried a couple of times to go to Cafe de Monde and it wasn't happening because I was like, you know, I don't want to stand in line for an hour to get beignets that aren't that great. Right. <laughs> So there's another place called Cafe Beignet, which is right down the street. It's also a very old place. It's probably 100 years old. They have jazz brunches there. There was no line there, and the beignets were awesome. Mm. So I just went there. All right. That's the place to go. Noted. Yeah. Um, Both Jessica and I, both together and separately, like we really tried to patronize Black-owned businesses while we were there and Black-owned restaurants whenever possible um, because we were really conscious of that when mm-hmm. we were there and plus like hello if you want the good food that's where you go right <laughs> like go get the southern cooking oh my god and jessica and i both basically ate our weight in shrimp every day my husband hates shrimp so <laughs> i was like i'm gonna have some shrimp and then i'm gonna have some more shrimp i'm gonna have all the shrimp <laughs> yeah so it wasn't so much the beignets i was craving i mm. wanted shrimp and okay. boy howdy there was shrimp <laughs> <laughs> so this was just your way there yeah. Right? This mm-hmm. was you hauling ass. New Orleans ass. was like the beginning of the trip. So it almost wow. feels like it's two trips. Yeah. Like it almost feels like, yeah, I went to New Orleans and then I went on this road trip. Huh. Because the trip down there, with the exception of Georgia O'Keefe, it was just such a blur mm. that, and New Orleans was just such this goal. I was trying to just get there. Right. You know, and I kind of blew into town and I was exhausted. And, yeah, I bet. You know, and then I got to really recuperate and hang out in New Orleans and really see it and see like every inch of it that I could get to. And, hmm. um, I went to a lot of cemeteries. I didn't just do the tour. I went, there's another cemetery that I really love, um, called Metairie Cemetery. It's not in Metairie, um, which is the next town out, outside of New Orleans, but it's kind of on the edge of town. It's right underneath the freeway. So it's kind of hard to get to, but it's, it's in what was a Victorian racetrack. Oh, so it's an oval. It's this giant oh. oval of tombs. <laughs> and it was all built in the Victorian era, so they're over the top. They're ridiculous. This yeah. is where the like Victorian elites would bury people mm. back in the day. And 
you'd have these ornate, elaborate tombs with like stained glass windows that you could see through to the other sides. The light would come through and it's crazy pants and it's huge. It was almost the opposite of the San Luis Cemetery because that one was so old and Mm -hmm. funky and full of like mystique and weird voodoo stuff and all of that. And this one was like where all the rich Victorians, Victorian white people, you know, built monuments to some guy that you don't remember, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but there's a big elaborate tomb for him. Huh. And they and then- used to, they used to go on these promenades around what used to be the racetrack with these tombs. So it's just bonkers. I love stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you were able to recuperate. Yeah. There. Like what a nice treat. I think that's the, the hard, really the hard part about doing these solo road trips is that you have to do all the driving yourself. Yeah. So at the end of each day, you're just, at least I get, I'm just exhausted at the end of the day. So I don't do a lot of night sightseeing when mm-hmm. I do these trips. So it was nice to stay in New Orleans for that long. So mm-hmm. that I actually could go out at night and see the city at night. And how, how many days were you there? Um, five nights, six days. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah. It was, it was a great amount of time. Of course, there's always more. Like, I always want to see more, but... <laughs> it sounds like you did a pretty thorough... I wrung it out. Yeah. Like, I really... <laughs> I saw everything that I could. It huh. was really great. Um, yeah, it just it only made me love the city more. It's so beautiful. Okay, well, I think this would be a good place to stop. And listeners, join us for part two when Chandler talks about the drive home. Mm-hmm. 